0: You know how ironic right to have mm. that contrast of that oversized yeah. crucifix that it wasn't the proper size for that and again we can take the reality like ken adams said and use that escapism and make
1: on this episode of playtime i talk the art yeah. and craft of so film really no and mentoring with set decorator caroline Prezan. i am your host author artist and playwright wc turk You have likely seen Caroline Prezon's work from television and streaming to film. Her star-studded 30-year career, which I'm guessing you started at age six, includes work on Academy and award-winning projects. She is also an adjunct professor, as a set decorator Prezon's work is critical to building the illusion, not only for us, the viewer, but for the actors who must believe they're in a moment. She builds a world in which the characters exist and breathe. Her work includes Widows, starring Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, Robert Duvall, and Colin Farrell, as well as Torchwood, CSI, Man of Steel, and many others. In 2015, she told Vanity Fair that her work portrays a passion for art, which was shared by her boss and Empire co-creator Lee Daniels. These days, her passion is mentoring Prezan's effort at paying forward the great success she has enjoyed. Her website is carolineprezan.com designcom and I'll have a link to that in the notes um, how did I do
0: I think you did great
1: maybe we um, should quit while we're ahead um, yeah
0: I, I, <laughs> yeah I mean basically you said one thing that I I quit Columbia so I'm not currently there because um, mm-hmm. it almost killed me because I was when you're you know working on set and um, yeah. teaching at night yeah it, it turned out and making two dollars an hour adjunct teaching i loved it loved it to death and we can talk about it because if money was no object and i didn't need it to live Mm -hmm. i would choose teaching over um set decorating hands down Um, but at the end of the day i had to choose and um i had to choose health benefits you know and that's what you know the union world of uh filmmaking is so important because it allows us to um have these, these things like health insurance that we never had in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. It's, by, by the That's way, it's, it's, it's 20 degrees in Chicago, and we've got almost uh, half a foot of snow. Uh, are you missing Chicago yet?
0: Well, I, I'm missing being around like-minded people that Florida's what I consider it. I don't know if I can say a shit show. Yes, um, you can. But I see a Confederate flag every day. Uh, no matter where I drive, whether yeah. it's a tiny little bumper sticker or a crocheted sweater cardigan on a woman mm-hmm. fishing or um, confederate flags. And um, my husband says, don't be so spicy. Don't stop. Don't <laughs> think anything. Move forward. And I find it very hard. But I, I know that that's.
1: You have that to that give I them know. the benefit of the doubt because, you know, word might have traveled a little slowly to some of them. That they actually (laughs) lost the war.
0: I know. Well, I that's what I said. So I just wanted (laughs) you to know that I drove past this causeway, and Uh I don't know if he's telling him, but he had a huge Confederate flag, and my son's in the car, and he said, "Mom, don't, don't, don't stop and embarrass me." And so I pulled over, and I yelled at him, and I said, "We won the war. We won. (laughs) The North won." And he said yeah. he started to go thumbs up like he thought I was saying something nice to him
2: you know what you got you got moxie
0: what's moxie
2: What's moxie
0: And then I was I was gone and my my son was so scared that he was going to chase after us and I said and actually his worry is there is validity to mm-hmm. that worry you know that
1: yeah yeah've I've had that i'm I'm not a small guy but I had I had a guy in a, in a four truck chase me down for having an Obama hat in the in the rear window of my car that's and that's that's up here in Illinois I don't even think you really know what a bad day is you will find we're, out. we're digressing substantially but then you and I have do we, that
0: have we started wait have we actually started the show or no yeah
1: we start. we started
0: oh my god no 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 we can't waste time there's so many things to be said so indeed, um indeed. what I'm focusing on right now because there's been some sickness in the in in our family Uh is focusing on that and as most filmmakers know that there's you you put in either everything or you don't get it done you don't get the set time time. so right now i'm taking time off to help a family member heal also at the same time i'm very interested in anybody out there that would like to be mentored
2: gentlemen we can build him we have the technology better stronger
0: faster Mm -hmm. and this can be mentored in the terms of anything in the arts or anything not in the arts Mm -hmm. because i had many students come to me that were not even you know they weren't in set decoration they weren't you know they were in producing and they didn't know if they were on the right path and they can be any age too Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's really important with COVID and things being, people changing their careers, etc., Yeah, that I would be very happy to talk to anyone. I want you to know everyone out there, it's all free, it's all gratis. Look, who are you? I told you that I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know, you told me that. What else are you? What are you, you a hypnotist? No,
2: of course not.
0: Well then why am I seeing all these strange things? You're- don't you understand you've been given a great gift it's my payback and karma for all the help that I have gotten over the years over stellar amazing people that really were you know my mentors plus friends you know mm. and so it's a payback
1: well you know what I, I was gonna I was gonna bring up mentoring towards the end of our conversation but since we're here I, I would love it if you if you would talk about some of those, mentors that were instrumental to your development in in film and the arts
0: okay um well I want to start off by um I don't know I almost think feel like I need to define what a set decorator is okay not everyone knows what it is and then I can go from there it'll be really much easier to flow but basically um a set decorator is not an interior designer people Mm -hmm. think that it you know it is and my job is about telling a visual narrative. I'm a mm-hmm. visual storyteller. I work for the director. It is my responsibility to show his vision. I work for him. Mm-hmm. So I have multiple meetings, many meetings with him or her to find out what their vision is and to um, make it come true. Yeah. The designer, the production designer is responsible for all the walls and the paint construction, architecture, actually in the old school way in in Europe and around the world, the designer was responsible for even the um, costume design as well. Mm -hmm. The overall look of the film, you know, the color palettes, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we all work together, wardrobe and set decoration and the production designer. But so basically, just one last thing about set decorators Mm -hmm. is... We fill everything in a set. So we are the sociologists, the anthropologists, the historians, the art historians, the researchers of characters. We look into the background of the characters or the environments. Mm -hmm. We mine the scripts. And I know you're a writer, Bill. Mm So mm -hmm. this is important to me and you. I mine the script. I research the scripts and we all, all, all tear it down to every detail. Yeah. And we, we research 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 I can't say it enough
2: uh-huh.
0: about what that script tells us and what we can grab out of that script yeah. and utilize yeah and then the rest of it you know is a collaborative um affair of the director and the the showrunner the creators uh-huh. um, you know i
1: I, I want to go back I want to go back to that the script, uh, a little bit, if I could. I, I come, I come to script writing as a novelist and as a writer. So I'm, I'm used to description. I, I live and breathe every word that comes out of Sid Feld's uh, script writing bibles, screenwriting bibles. I've, I've also read enough to know that description is, is critical in setting, setting the stage and scene not only for, for the actors, but for the director and for, for the crew, like, like a set director. I, I would love maybe a little bit more uh, detail from you on, on the, the critical nature of, of description, which I think is part and parcel of a writer knowing what they're writing about, first of all, and, and communicating that to people who might not have any, any idea about what they're what they're writing. And then how you take that and bridge it from things that might be missing in uh, in mm. in a script description and what we see
0: on on film. Right. And um right because a lot of scripts I've read so many scripts especially with you know Amazon type shows that have come up and then I started working yeah. on studio lots. Yeah. You know, I did half my career at Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal, CBS, um, Fox, Sony, you name it. yeah Um, yeah. so that was that was kind of cool going through starting out at that world, but um I never will forget one of my mentors, Marvin March, is a a um nine-time Academy nominee, you mm-hmm. know. And he said, "We have a split second to tell the audience what the environment or and or character is." what kind of person they are. I never forget that because that is so true. You know, we have to sell that script and sell that story. What's going on at that particular time in in seconds or a second. And the character, how they live, where they live, a familiarity, guide the story, allow the actor to come into the space. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes I deal with method actors that like Johnny Depp, he he wanted um i designed his trailers for him you know he's a method actor so everything was late 1920s that i, for, I uh, that him. was
1: for public enemies right right yeah
0: what is it exactly you
2: do for anything john dylan love banks <sighs> that's where all these people here put their money
0: they're looking at me because they're not used
2: to having a girl in their restaurant in a $3 dress. Listen, though. That's because they're all about where people come from. The only thing important is where somebody's going.
0: And um, a, a familiarity. Um, yeah, allow the guy, the actor to come into the space, serve the story of the character facilitate and enhance and bring to fruition the concept between the director. I create the mood boards to show and look of the wallpaper, the research in, in an office everywhere. Mm-hmm. The cinematographer I show, the production designer, the, the designer draws up the set walls. Mm-hmm. So we better do our research right because we do lots and lots of research Um, To get it right, because there's a surgeon out there. I've been known to do a lot of medical shows, and I did a lot of episodes on House early on. House, yeah. And um, you can, you bet, you better believe, because we did so many different medical scenarios that people are looking at our research and they're looking at what we're doing. And there's nothing that set decorators hate more is to get it wrong.
2: You're stupid. Well, I'm a rubber and your glue he's not pedestrian he's stupid at least stupider than he should be he's a dxm junkie
0: dextromethorphan as in cough syrup
2: wasn't taking it for his cough it's cheap available at your corner drugstore and take it in high doses it's a dumb drug
0: dumb drug well he obviously hasn't
2: he's smart compared to you
0: we want to look at that script that you've written bill if you have a script you give to me I'm going to do everything I can to outline every description that you you provide me.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: However, there's a lot of scripts that don't provide me a lot. You know what I mean? So it gives us in some ways a lot of artistic freedom, if allowed, after many meetings with Mm -hmm. the director, you know, and finding out his vision or Mm -hmm. her vision and then going from there. But then they get so busy, you know, cause they have many meetings and many yeah, fulfill. Yeah. They're like, Caroline, I trust you. Just, just go, you know what I mean? You've got <laughs> your information. So then you have to create the set and the character set that maybe your house, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps that you're living in and um, you have to make up these things, you know, you have to put, maybe you're into cigar smoking and you just, you know, I was we were watching widows just to get re myself with my son. And my son said, did you put those Tums on top of the table of the alderman, the corrupt South Side Alderman? And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> and he's like, why did you do that? You know, like, oh, does, does, he, is he, does he get a lot of stomach aches? And I'm sorry. I said, yeah, well, I would assume he would. From what I understand, we both have a Jamal Manning problem. You don't. You don't live in my
1: ward, Mrs. Rawlings. But if you're aware of a crime, you should
2: really go to the police. Mr. Mulligan, you said whenever I needed help. Now your family's been involved in Harry's life for many years. When I say help, I mean. I understand, but I'm not my father. As you can see, the years have taken
1: a toll on him, and I do not want to go down that same road. So with much admiration and respect for your late husband and yourself, of course, I don't see what I can do. What I've learned from men like my father and Harry is that you reap what
2: you sow. Let's hope so.
0: The important things are to not make things beautiful like an interior designer, but real. As real as we can get them. Even if you're doing a back alley... And you want, or, or, you know, the garbage in the front of a New York street, you want everything so realistic that um, it, it really is really tons of, I can't underestimate the amount of research we do and the prop masters and prop mistresses do.
1: Which brings me to this, on on Breaking Bad, you, uh, you, you designed the meth lab and I, I'm the, guessing you didn't have a business. lot of prior experience with actual meth labs. How, oh, do, you, how, <laughs> how do you go about, uh, about accurately portraying just in case there's a meth head who is watching that going, no, she got it wrong. I've been in a thousand meth labs. Well, they I look-
0: would like that person to call me. And, and, <laughs> and it was like, here's my phone number. 818. No, I'm okay.
2: kidding.
0: <laughs> like, but the thing is, is, um, Okay. So I remember when Nicholas was younger and I'm a single parent and uh-huh. and he did say to his teacher the teacher asked, "So where's your mom right now?" cuz grandma and grandpa were watching him. Mm-hmm. Cuz you know somebody's got to pay the bills. So I was like <laughs> uh in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the studios there where they film and my friend Brenda, we're very all close together, the set decorators. She was decorating majority of those seasons and believe me they've been passed on to other decorators for other seasons it went very long yeah and she said caroline i need you out here because i don't have the time to do this huge permanent set yeah of the meth lab that's the big meth lab as you go underneath the dry cleaners so the dry cleaners is a real location Uh and then once they go underneath to where they're creating meth on a huge level, that becomes a stage set. And that's where we created it at Albuquerque Studios. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, what are you doing? These are my good clothes.
1: You can't go home smelling like a meth lab. Uh, Yeah, you can, I do.
0: And it basically was just, the research is not there. You know, I remember day (laughs) one, I researched, I Googled you know, something I tell my students not to do a, a lot, not to rely totally on Googling. And you
1: can get yourself and, in a little bit of trouble by Googling meth lab.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> well, they probably, oh, believe me, um, we've gotten in, in a lot of trouble over the years. Prop masters, prop messages over money that looked so good that the FBI raided wow. um a, a couple of our very well-known prop houses wow. to make sure the money was recreated that would not look so good. <laughs>
1: yeah, you couldn't pass but, it off at, at the. Um, but
0: the point was just kind of like uh, it was like, of course, there's no research. There's yeah, no research yeah. on meth labs. And the great thing about it is that art doesn't allow you. You can create because you have artistic license. To do what you want to make yeah, the laugh, yeah. the laugh, what you want and what that director wants mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so that's the beauty of it and um and we have with with breaking bad they have of course the dea you know and the dea was a consultant that was very necessary for yeah. right the writer specifically uh, a lot and for the prop masters the costume designers the you know construction mm-hmm. and mm-hmm decorators like myself. Uh,
1: I want to go back to, I want to go back to uh, a little bit. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but on, on widows, you talked about a local politician uh, who you. um,
2: Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. uh,
1: Tell, tell that story. It's, it's a wonderful story. I don't think anybody get get into trouble for it. It's so
0: fun. I mean, I don't know where he is right now in the process of what's going on in his life, but I find him quite wonderful. To uh, me and you're and talking
1: about the right. uh, alderman ed burke here ed in the burke, city Chicago.
0: right yeah and, and i thank him for being so interested in the artistic process and helping the film industry that mm-hmm. i cold called him because you do need to and for all the students out there getting involved in film or the arts you i want to teach a class on networking and how to cold call mm-hmm. because it's so important to get people excited and so i cold called you know, Alderman Burke's office. I'm not in, I don't live in his, his area. So his ward. So um, I told him what I was, I got, you know, connected to his secretary and said Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And he uh, called me back and invited me over. And so I got to go to city hall and not only did Ed Burke come in with the most ravishing, amazing suit. Mm -hmm. And my mom warned me, she said, beware. He is a man of, you know, he loves his suits. Uh-huh. He, he he takes pride in how he looks and presents himself. And I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And and so I knew exactly who he was because I had never met him in person. When he walked through, it was kind of like the presence was there, you know? Right, and, and right. Yeah. But um, here I am, five feet tall, little Caroline, saying... <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting me. And um, he took me into the the Southside office as well, but we spent most of our time downtown. Mm -hmm. And he basically was so gracious enough to say, you, after we talked for quite a while privately in his office, I wanted to get to know not only how his office looked, which was very important. But to get in the mind mindset of how the character is, because for a set decorator, I want to know what are those extra touches that I yeah. need on his desk, yeah. you know, that are not going to be and were not described in that script. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because Ed Burke, as most people know, he was a police officer and um, I believe his father was and his son, his adopted son is a police right. officer now. And so it's pretty amazing. And he's published several books and Mm -hmm. he's incredibly into history Mm -hmm. and golfing. So, you know, like all these things, you get all these ideas. And then, of course, you know, you can't help it, but put it on the sets. But he's he took me around all of City Hall and told me many stories Uh when you are interacting with that person who is going to I'm going to try to morph that into parts of the character not all yeah that wouldn't be right not Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. um it becomes really um dynamic and brings that character alive so the research involves a lot Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. go down and cold call someone and meet them and interview them
1: did did he have thumbs on his desk
0: i'm sorry um you know i actually don't think he did (laughs) all right because is you know is that kind
1: of day? So so far we we've learned this confusing a set de- decorator with a set designer or fighting words. And that the description is imperative for a script. The, the the set decorator is because you're you're communicating a massive amount of information, or you should be communicating a massive amount of information about. Uh, about the set in which your characters live to the set decorator.
0: Right. And I want to say that I can't say this enough, that yeah. it is so collaborative that if with my crew and my fellow set decorators out there, they we have a crew of, it can be anywhere from four set dressers, depending on what the budget is. But then yeah. depending on the sets, then it can grow to sometimes 50 to hundreds of set dressers. Yeah. You know, I have a friend that does that just did Star Wars, you know, and yeah, there's so many components. Sometimes you have to be the, the the captain at the helm, yeah, yeah, and you have to have. And I've been an assistant decorator while I was learning my way through the ropes.
1: You were also, you were also a a set decorate uh, decoration buyer.
0: Pretty much, it's the same thing. Okay, so what uh, for for me. Um, In Hollywood and for the two gentlemen, the three gentlemen that Uh I mentored under, they all um, called me and my title was always set decorator, um, assistant set decorator, which I don't believe in the name set decorator buyer because it's way more than that. It's not like I send out my assistant to go shop. Yeah. Yeah. I literally have to have them think for me when I'm scouting and I can't, I'm too busy to pick out things. You have to mm-hmm. let go in order to be great. You can't do everything yourself at your job. You have right. to trust your crew and love your crew and know that there's no way you can do any of this yourself yeah. and collaboratively work with all the other departments, the camera the grips, the sound, the writers, the editing, post departments. Mm-hmm. Collaboration is the key to film. Uh,
1: unless you're working on on a virtually limitless budget, like you would be with a Star Wars, George Lucas, or or even maybe a, maybe a Spielberg. But if if you're working on on something that has has a much tighter budget, then cost is a critical consideration.
0: Well, I believe that um, no matter what the budget was, and there's yeah, been yeah. many high budget feature films that i've worked on yeah there's always a budget Mm -hmm. it it, it was because you know of course the director is going to ask me for the moon and i'm (laughs) going to try to give it to him Mm -hmm. but ultimately i don't have enough zeros in my paycheck to say i can guarantee that because
2: yeah
0: it's up to the producers to say no you can't have this to the director or yes you can Mm -hmm. caroline go ahead and go for it So you know, I have to go through all these. It's very political too. You know these channels. Um, So not only do you have to budget, I have to budget everything. You Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and submit those budgets and submit them over and over. You're not only an artist, but you're you're meant to come in on budget. Or if you're over the budget and they're very happy with things with the way things turn out. In my career, it turned out that they suddenly forgot that I went over budget. But, you know, it depended on how well the the show did.
1: Let's let's explore that a a little bit, because you're known for this, at least in in the public's mind, your work on Empire, and and we talked about it a little bit in the intro, in which, you know, I'll I'll go back to the Vanity Fair piece, where you talked about beginning with art in a scene, Uh, that it's about setting a tone, or is it? Actually, about setting a tone that engages directly with the audience and portrays something substantial about the character or their background or their motivation.
0: Yeah, and and I can bring in another movie to kind of like kind of morph that that everyone and a mentor, yeah. you know, to kind of explain this a little bit better. I don't know how many people out there. Probably a lot more people out there have seen Stanley Kubrick's *Doctor Strangelove*.
1: I will have poached eggs. And bring me some cigars, please. Havana cigars. And that will be all for you, sir? Yes. And I'll see to it right away. Try one of these Jamaican cigars, Ambassador. They're pretty good. Thank you. No, I do not support the work of imperialist stooges. Oh, only commie stooges, huh? You filthy bully, you filthy bully. You filthy
2: guy, you not just to come out here more, eh? You wore
0: nothing, bully. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Ken, Ken Adam was one, one of my um, mentors and he's passed away, but he, he um, was one, one German Jew that fled Germany and flew for the Royal Navy wow. for England to gun down Nazis. Mm-hmm. And his dream was always to become an architect and then a film designer, which he did successfully. Wow. So he's known for being Stanley Kubrick's favorite designer he did mm-hmm. all the early Braun movies plus um Dr. Strangelove and Barry Linden and
2: wow. he's won
0: numerous British awards and um American Academy Awards etc mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but the point was is that when you look at the reality of Steven Spielberg he he said he called Ken Adams the best strange, Dr. Strangelove. You mm-hmm. don't remember the main set where they had barely any money when we're talking about budget. And the, the war room was yeah. the main, you know, as everyone yeah. would know. Um, Steven Spielberg said Ugh. that that was uh, the best set that's ever been designed. Kubrick loved Ken Adams' German expressionistic style. Mm-hmm. And you can take a set... It has German expressionism in it, and I've seen him repeat it in his sketches from James Bond movies. Yeah, to the film that the film one of the films I did with him, Adam's Family Values, Mm -hmm. to Doctor No, and um, another Bond movie where he uses just this grid, this circle with a grid, and all you can do see is this man in a chair, and I believe that's Doctor No. And so how inexpensive is that? It's very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And so I tell mm-hmm. my students, you can create this in at Columbia. Yeah. Or wherever you are and, yeah. and create this, this grid and these shadows where this man's just sitting in this chair. Mm-hmm. And uh, he recreated that same exact design on Adam's family values many, many years later when uh-huh. I worked with him when they had a famous... Um, angelica houston had a famous tango dance
2: uh-huh.
0: they were in a cavern in the cave and um he had the same grid and it it, ca- it had it created this framework for the cinematographer to cast light down mm-hmm. on um, the the dance the tango
1: and as i recall sort of sort of getting uh because i i think i think this is this is in part where you're headed is talking about the The absolute economy of of set decoration. Dr. Strangelove had these um, had these really sort of tight, intimate settings. so you you had you had the the gun battle that's taking place outside of the general's office. But all of that is happening within this. Uh, And it it, it could be any office in in any building anywhere in the world. But but it's in this in this small little office or it's in the cockpit of of the the jet fighters or the jet fighter that is that's headed to Russia. Uh, So he's using a little to tell a a, a much larger story.
0: Right. And basically the war room. Yeah, um, Yeah. This really happened that Reagan, when he came into office, he asked, well, where's the war room? And everybody can look it up out there. It's out there. <laughs> and um, they said, "No, so, no, sir. There's, there is no war room." That's how yeah. realistic the sets were, and yeah. maybe um, it was actually incredible that you know he he asked that. But I I believe that well he was he was knighted a, a sir. Sir mm-hmm. Ken told the BBC that as a production designer, you have the possibility of I don't want to say fooling the audience but Mm -hmm. of offering a form of escapism, which is very often more exciting than reality. And he added that when working on the Bond movies, the early Bond movies, if you Google his name, you'll see all the Mm -hmm. Bond movies he did. He had to deal with the fact that none of the locations described existed. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, its divine heaviness.
2: I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock. Which is considerable.
0: I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your
2: next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me.
0: I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect
1: you
2: to die.
0: So in other words, there was a, another another Bond movie where they had to make Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. gold bricks and gold bricks and gold bricks and they got in trouble with the government. You know, again, it's like, well, wait a minute, how did you get in there? <laughs> you know, there there was, you know, problems, you know, they yeah, thought they yeah. got into Fort Knox. But you can never in reality and this is why art doesn't have to be reality, and it shouldn't. It stacks and stacks and stacks of gold, brick, gold blocks, uh-huh. bricks. Uh-huh. And you can never do that realistically. But that was the, the great thing about the form of es- escapism, which is so important as a production designer and a set decorator to provide that for the mm-hmm. audience for uh, visual memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and to move uh, to help the 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 story's narrative.
1: What is it about? Because you uh, you graduated from the Art Institute of of Chicago, and art is is such. And I, I'm I'm looking at the wall behind you, and, and there's there's some great oh. art there. Oh yeah, there's uh,
0: there's all kinds of art there. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a a coconut. Um, uh, angel made from, cause I'm in Florida right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sorry, I can't handle the snow. And um, <laughs> he's made from coconut um, leaves. Yeah. I
1: love, I love, I love the primitivism in, in that piece. It's, it, it's a gorgeous piece. When we first jumped on and I saw that piece, uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a sketch or a drawing or a graphic.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to see on, I felt that one of my friends, Susan Rice, is probably yeah. one of the greatest Southern folk artists yeah. in the South. And she did that. And I had purchased during COVID, all she did was mosaics. Okay. She did that. But she also did some sculpt. Uh, it's incredible what she does. Um, but she lives across town. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very, very difficult to be in her neighborhood and be a progressive artist because she Uh she got into um, she a lot of her art is political this one behind me is not Uh and so when you're getting to uh, the progressive political art that she was doing because it was before the election her neighbors were very very unhappy
2: Wow. So, wow.
0: Sort of,
1: sort of, sort of this, this subtle social censorship.
0: No stopping Susan, trust me.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but saying, I think, but I think a lot of artists who, who aren't, who aren't established or maybe even aren't as stalwart as as she is uh, would succumb to, to that pressure.
0: Well, I felt like um, I talked to her recently. I said, uh-huh. how's it going? And she said, it's just getting worse. The pressure is getting worse. The the divisiveness is getting worse yeah, and yeah. we're not in Chicago where you could have that art install. She built an mm-hmm. install when Trump was in office of the wall okay. and, and it was, it was chicken wire. It was brilliant. And she made all these hands out of tin and they had, um, they were sort of Mexican style
2: mm-hmm. with
0: Mexican style faces Um, painted like angels that were attached to the chicken wire and it was probably about 20 feet wide by 15 feet tall it was it was beautiful the pieces that she had installed on it and slowly she dissembled it when she decided it's time to take it down that Mm -hmm. that people bought all the different pieces off of it and it came down but it was really um challenged by neighbors and in, in a very unfriendly and i have to say violent way and she was scared
1: i i would love she to would. talk talk with her and and maybe get some details uh, about that story i think i think it's critical for people to know
0: yeah hopefully she would i'll have to talk to her you know yeah. she's yeah. she's like a such a brilliant artist but yet yeah. she may may not or may?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I get that. I get that. But I I am I'm, I'm looking at that piece on, on the wall above you and and there's there's a confidence and a masterful quality to it. Oh, till um, you
0: see the other pieces I have in my place? I'll show you later. But when we had the farm in Michigan, yeah. she did an ode to American Gothic in statues and um there's a a chicken that's on the arm of the gentleman and then there's a rooster Mm-hmm. It's actually in front of the couple, but I had that in the front of the farm, and it's pretty cool because you know they're like five feet tall, and
1: I want to go back to your work here a little bit uh, in uh, in film. Uh, we don't have to have to mention the film, but you mentioned that you exhausted yourself working on on a film, and and I would love some of the details about uh, about what you have to do day in and day out as uh, yeah. as a production now
0: let me tell you something that about it's not just me in yeah, my department yeah, yeah. Decor- that i would say it's my fellow friends who in casting department uh-huh. uh-huh they have extreme stress when they're asking for a scene of ford models but their budget is of barely anything so yeah the stress of that of having to produce that in a matter of days it goes down to casting it goes to the prop masters prop mistresses the um wardrobe construction paint I mean everything you could pretty special effects Mm -hmm. so the pressure is really strong yes I'm sorry I got off subject a little bit but
1: no, you're, you're, you're right on, on the, subject um, because you had mentioned that working, working on a project had so completely exhausted you that you were oh, working yeah, virtually around why. the clock. Maybe yeah.
0: that's why I got off subject. I'm still so exhausted. So, <laughs> so the point is, is that I think and it would involve the actors as well, obviously, yeah. and the producers and directors. It's just, they're not doing the physical work as well. So yeah. just speaking for myself that you have to become a perfectionist. I mean, it's impossible to become a perfectionist, but I myself and most set decorators I know feel that way yeah, because yeah. if the, they're working nights filming, mm-hmm. it, you have to work <laughs> days because you have to have the set ready for the next day. So you're constantly ahead of them or behind them, the mm-hmm. shooting crew. And that the exhaustion of getting emails in the middle of the night or working constantly, like saying, Caroline, we, you know, at midnight, we when I'm supposed to be sleeping, we need a hookah for tomorrow's scene. And and you're not in Hollywood where they have a million prop houses. Yeah. But you're in, say, a totally different state, which is the way filmmaking is now. Mm-hmm. It's 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 in Atlanta, it's all over. It's still in LA, it's in New York, it's in Philly, it's it's yeah. all over. But the point is we don't have the support system. I would have a lot more sleep and rest if I did all my film work in LA because I have all these prop houses and, and people that can Mm -hmm. sculpt a sculpture, you know, within a matter of days. Yeah. Hollywood is built like that where the support system's there. But in order to get the job done to, because I'm so passionate and I'm assuming my fellow designers and decorators feel that way. You literally, I tell my students that you have to put in everything. And unfortunately it's, it's, it's your life and your family does suffer because you're going on location right now. Your options are mostly on location. There is Mm -hmm. work in Hollywood, but you have to choose where you live, want to live, and then you're going to have to travel no matter what. No matter what, you're going to have to travel. This comes down to my dear friend who's departed, my mentor, Ken Adam, who's, <sighs> I was telling you, Stanley Kubrick's favorite designer. Mm-hmm. That he had, um, I think I can share it with everyone, that he had a mental breakdown, because he's talked about this on film, Yeah. during Barry Lyndon, when Kubrick had him location scouting all over Europe to find the perfect locations, right? Mm-hmm. And Ken, one of the jobs of a production designer is to work with the location manager and to scout themselves. There must be 20 guineas in gold here, Father.
2: Well, well, well. You seem to be a very well set up, young gentleman, sir. Captain Feeney, that's all the money my mother had in the world. Mightn't I be allowed to keep it? I'm just one step ahead of the law myself. I killed an English officer in a duel and I'm on my way to Dublin till things cool down. Mr. Barry, in my profession we hear many such stories. Yours is one of the most intriguing and touching I've heard in many weeks. Nevertheless, I'm afraid I cannot grant your request. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll allow you to keep those fine pair of boots, which in normal circumstances I would have for myself. The next town is only five miles away. And I suggest you now start walking. Mightn't I be allowed to keep my horse? I should like to oblige you. But with people like us, we must be able to travel faster than our clients. Good day, young sir.
0: And so when it was never, you know, it's like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Stanley is very, Stanley is one of those, either the director wants to be involved with the visual look or, they're intimidated by it sometimes, and they don't want to be as involved. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. They want to just hand it off and say, I trust you. I sign off on your look, but when you get a Stanley Kubrick, they want to be involved in everything, you know, yes. which is not necessarily bad. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it can literally drive you crazy. So he ended up in, 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 in a, um, facility wow. where he could get better after a breakdown Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and his wife who's Italian, I love Letizia. She would say, (laughs) Caroline Stanley called him every day when he was trying to get better in the
1: hospital. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Here's what he said. The bottom line is that Stanley wanted him for 2001. He begged him to do it. Mm -hmm. He loved him so much. The fact that he killed Nazis and he knew how to, fly this this these incredible planes. Yeah. And um and plus his talent. Mm-hmm. that he begged him to do it. And 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 Ken said no. Ken said no, my health matters is wow. what he said.
1: And I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily appreciate the pressures because because you you are on on a on a strict budget, on a strict time budget, a strict timeline. And and there's there are a lot of forces that that are all coming together. For for this moment, I, I, I've talked about um, I've talked about um, my work in in theater and and how and how all these people come together at, at a precise moment and and there's an energy there and so film is is also is also all about that and you're capitalizing on that energy and the availability of all that talent for a specific amount of time. And the clock is running and and the the accounts are draining. There is um, no
0: room for failure. There is no yeah, room yeah. for being late. Yeah, yeah. There is no room for having a wrong. Uh-huh. And I I don't mean to sound like so brutal about that, but that's truly the way it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I told my students, I said, if you are not willing to give up maybe not picking up your kids from school, not making the dinner, maybe you should rethink. I didn't want to to discourage them, but I wanted to be realistic with them that you can still be in the film industry and have a secondary or tertiary um, business, which Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. actually, I have a friend who owns practical props in Hollywood, North Hollywood, California. Mm -hmm. He makes a hell of a lot more than i could have ever imagined to make in my career right Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and this is about renting lighting lamps like period lamps modern lamps whatever he's got a humongous warehouse Mm -hmm. street lamps but he did something where he said i have to be there for my kids because he was a single dad Mm-hmm. And and now the kids work at the prop house. So to me that's brilliant. So there are those ways that you can still stay in the industry and not um uh with exhaustion.
1: <laughs> it feels to me like the screenwriter is kind of the is kind of the odd the odd duck in in this whole process. In other words, we we get to write and and kind of walk away.
0: I'm not really as a set decorator, I'm so busy I, after the point. I come in after the point where they hire the the, the screenwriter, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've got the full script, like on Man of Steel. That script we never got. We mm-hmm. we get to sit in a room and take notes, but we can't even bring our phone in the room. Some of those Marvel movies and some movies that are more these this is rare. You know, the common mm-hmm. thing is that we do get scripts. So, mm-hmm. but with with Man of Steel, I'm not used to that. So. We were very, uh, we found that very challenging because we have to break down those scripts. Now, I can sit in that, that room for hours, but it's a big challenge. And um, the visuals that we had created and people, the look of the characters and the Man of Steel and the villains, etc. cetera, we're all in a locked room.
2: Your son, Laura, <gasps> where have you sent him?
0: His name is Cal,
2: son of El. And he's beyond your reach.
0: In you're signing away your life that you're not going to give away any of the information. Yeah. Which of course I never did, but it, it um yeah. It's,
1: it can be um, a little intimidating.
0: It can be intimidating, but that's the way it is, so it's kind of like in the beginning, I could see you could be intimidated by it, but then so many years you just... Uh...
1: As a set director, uh, a set decorator, you have a staff working for you, or are you... Are
0: you... Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we have a big... We have set decorators. We're heads of our own department. Yeah. When you get an Academy Award, um, a one Academy Award goes to the set decorator, and one goes, goes to the, the production designer. So there's uh-huh. two for that category. Okay. So we have a big staff. Um, so if, if I wanted to hire someone who is non-union, yeah. that would be my, um, my set decorating coordinator mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. would basically help me manage the budget so I could stay on track because yeah. there is that yeah. pressure of you got to stay on track on your budget mm. and know where you are. When the producer comes up to you and asks, you have a responsibility
2: yeah.
1: But I'm thinking I'm thinking back to to your your work with uh, or your collaboration, I guess, or, or, or the help of Ed Burke, somebody like Ed Burke, where, where you sort of have to explain what you're about oh. and what what you're doing. So with these more secretive projects, how are you able to to communicate oh. with with that broader uh, that that broader social network. Oh, Ed
0: was very cool. He wasn't yeah, yeah. like you know. I didn't have to say okay. Well, if you watched the movie now, it is about a corrupt South Side, right, right, Hulk and his son, yeah, Colin, who's Colin Farrell,
2: yeah.
0: But I didn't have to go in and explain, you know, um, the intricacies because it's about way much, way more than that. Yeah, and yeah. really, I see it, a story of Viola Davis.
2: Mm-hmm. And the widows. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't want to give it away for someone who hasn't seen it, mm-hmm. but it's more, I believe, a woman's story. I unfortunately I don't Very see much. one male character, and I don't know if you agree that's seen in a good light, except for I don't know if you remember what happens to her son, Liam Neeson's son and Viola Dav- Davis, yeah. they're married.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. And um I I didn't see many characters that were good characters. Yeah, um, that yeah. was then in, in, in Widows. So yeah. I mean would you agree? Did I I would I, I, I would
1: I, no I, and, and not not to you know not to give any spoilers away here it is very much a woman's uh, a woman's film, a woman's action film or a woman's uh, uh, drama, I suppose. Or yeah, no, action and,
0: drama. and the thing is it was fascinating doing yeah. the alderman's house because we shot around the corner from Obama's house. Mm-hmm, in Hyde mm-hmm, Park mm-hmm. and so it was this beautiful mansion but we cleared it out completely Yeah.
2: so everything
0: yeah. that was brought in and that was one of my sets mm-hmm. and it was a big set mm-hmm. because it's a big house <laughs> and it also had the alderman headquarters was was there in the house because it was big enough where you could do that yeah and have the living room and um, the scenes where there's a pool table and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. a lot of other scenes take place there.
1: And I, I, still, I still have to direct people to, uh, to the scene in the, uh, 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 it looked like Inglewood to me, uh, you, you can correct me, but in, in the, the, the sort of rustic urban church that's been changed to a, a, an yeah. alderman's campaign headquarters. And, and just, just the sheer detail And there's a there's a long shot looking across the desk with I think with with uh, coffee cups and donuts and and books and papers and and all of and all that and then there's the there's the crucifix because it is in a converted church or a, a church at other times we can imagine there's that crucifix that's tied to the post and and that that is the just the 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 detail in in the scene in the scenery is is so realistic and so believable and and. Uh, astounding it's just astounding
0: well well that's good that um and and it's something that (laughs) you did good and and thank you but (laughs) you never want to um we're very careful set decorators to not distract from the movie and the 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 viewing experience of the audience Mm -hmm. so i know when you look at like empire Mm -hmm. you are seeing a lot of things that pop out like we could talk you know a whole other hour just on the art on empire yeah um The, the things that literally do pop out at you because a lot of the art does, a lot of the fashion, the art, the whole look, yeah. everything about it is blee. Yeah. Um, and um, they would say to me, zhuzh it up, Caroline. <laughs> um, you know, but when, when you go back to the crucifix, yeah, I mean, he was another corrupt character um, yeah, yeah. in that scene, mm-hmm. you know, um, not that scene in the whole film. Mm-hmm. You know, how ironic, right? To have Mm. that contrast of that oversized crucifix. It wasn't the proper size for that. And again, we can take the reality, like Ken Adams said, and use that escapism and make art whatever we want it to be. Yeah, yeah. So there's really no end to it. So, And that's why I tell people, I said, check check out like Amazon and um, the Underground Railroad because it just... I didn't do that show but it was great because it there was a form of escapism where you can take 20 year olds that may not be interested in learning about the underground railroad mm-hmm. but they have the history and the the brutality of what was roots yeah. to our generation
2: yeah
0: but then they mix it up with this fantasy magical world of an underground railroad that I don't want to give it away for anyone because it's out right now and I don't work for Amazon. Uh I'm not promoting uh it. I was just so impressed at the contrast that you, that they presented in their design that you couldn't help, but get an 18 year old Uh interested uh in history because of what they um, designed in this other fantasy type world that was underneath Uh the ground.
1: Yeah. Let's finish up here briefly about about mentoring. And, and tell me if you agree with this or my characterization of, of mentoring or my definition of mentoring is that it's it's different from basic education in that it really imparts this on-the-job experience that that can only be learned in, in doing rather than in the classroom. Do I have that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I think it can be both because Mm -hmm. at Columbia, we would do productions. We would break down scripts. We would do almost exactly what I would do, except without, I wouldn't have producers jumping in the room. Right. (laughs) But, um, it's interesting because, you know, DePaul has a great program now and there's so Mm -hmm. many other colleges that have great programs. So it is necessary to have that to go. It is really helpful to, um, to not just jump into it without having the mentors, because without uh-huh. Ken as the mentor, and then yeah. Marvin, who's like an—I don't know—was it eight or nine Academy Award nominees?
1: Who, who's counting?
0: <laughs> I don't know. But um, and then um, another man, Hilton Rosemary, they uh-huh. were all for some reason they happened to be men. And um, the importance is yes, the onset—the onset, yeah. um, onset experiences—is. Is, Is so vital to be there to see everything working Mm -hmm. together. It's chaotic. It's basically like a chaotic circus because a chaotic organized circus, Mm -hmm. organized to a T, but yet sometimes things change. And the director says, No, 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 no. I like this art on the wall over here. So let's start this scene from over here, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to be ready for anything. And it's very exciting mentoring I really think it's very important in America in in all in in not just the arts but everything Mm -hmm. is to have classes in in networking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and relationship building yeah and also how to manage and maybe this is already being done with a lot of companies but to de escalate problems when you become like a family on a film set, you you can as a department head or as a a team together the best way you can. And um, oh, so
1: that's a great, that's a great perspective.
0: But I feel like that that's being ignored or maybe I'm wrong if there's some college you know dean out there that can prove me wrong and say, oh no, we've got a networking class and no, 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 no. We follow up with these, with these people after they graduate and we help them Mm -hmm. and guide them. I know SCAD does a good job because they invited me down there, but SCAD does a great job in helping them find work.
2: So
1: you're, you're, you're being very, very gracious by offering your experience to, to help mentor, I'm guessing young filmmakers or, or, or filmmakers.
0: Well, it's um, not only filmmakers, it can be because I'm very very much into the fine arts. Yes, um, okay. So the my sets are filled with artists work that I've I have researched yeah. intensely. So not yeah. all set decorators are as, as much into art as I am.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Some of them are, but that happens to be my one of my fortes. So in in any field really. Okay. If they want some help and guidance on um direction.
1: I want to come back to the arts here in just a second, but for, for people who are interested in being mentored by you, how would they contact you?
0: Well, they can, they can text me and, um, it's no, it's no secret that my cell phone number, i I, it's not like, you know, let's it, it's, it's right there on the website. So okay, okay. they can go to my website and I have my cell phone on there. And I like many other people, don't answer the phone very much anymore or, (laughs) or, you know, I want to kind of experience life, you know, and I might be gardening something or whatever. So texting is always a great way to reach out or Mm -hmm. emailing. Mm Emailing is a good way too, especially if you have a longer story. If it's just like, hey, I want to set up something with you and this is what I do. But, you know, emailing might be a better way and that's my name. I could just give you, you know, my my regular email don't use the email on the website i think i changed it but it's caroline at gmail.com
2: okay so it's really
0: simple
1: and uh and i will i will make sure that we uh we we post that in the in the notes below and
0: i I would try my best to help them with um their concerns and the Mm. stresses that we all have especially during covid um I would often start off a class by turning off all the lights and keeping the lights off because I'd have screens where we'd show movies and I'd have candles lit because I feel that the stress level on our college kids are Mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. And I'd have these stressed out kids coming, working jobs, me being a almost adult lifelong yoga, yoga person, Uh uh, you know, it was just a technique where we could, i said, anybody who doesn't want to do it, don't do it. Mm -hmm. But almost everyone would want to do this and just do some deep breathing, decompress everybody so they could get into a a world where they could uh, express themselves and Mm -hmm. open up their minds and their imaginations. And you can't do that with anxiety in your head full of like, you know, how am I going to pay this college debt? And yeah. so I think we need to pull out the toolboxes as teachers and mentors and teach them ways to deal with their stresses.
1: I think I think of all the great advice and, and insights you've given today, that might be at the top of that list is uh, is just distressing our lives. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful wonderful perspective. Set decorator Carolyn Prizan celebrates a long and successful career in television and film by giving back through mentoring. And I misspoke earlier when I said that uh, she began her thirty year career at at the age of six. It was actually seven uh, because you needed that extra year to grow and find yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, it. people
0: say sometimes like you look younger than you are but like I don't want to say that I'm not saying that bragging it's just that people in the film industry you know like their bodies are covered with tattoos or <laughs> kind of like you're kind of you know and I've got like 1950s wing glasses like you're kind of accepted uh-huh. you are, I feel in the film industry is very special like that
1: you know what no one ever says that to me you look you actually look long- younger than you are When they they hear how old I am, they go, yeah, yeah, I I can believe that.
0: No, no, no. And I don't want to brag about that. But what I'm saying is like this woman at Columbia said, Caroline, it's so cool how you it's not, it's, this is actually a joke, but I was doing this from COVID. I hadn't gotten my hair dyed. So like half of it was black and half of it was dark blonde. And she's like, that is so bitching cool, (laughs) Miss Przan.'" And I said, oh, thanks so much. You know, but like it was because of COVID, but um, she's like, oh no, but that's what's in style right now, you know?
2: <laughs>
0: so, um, anyway.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks to my guest, Carolyn Prezan. I'm WC Turk. Links to Carolyn's website. And if you would like her to mentor you, there is also a link to her email below.